Hi, I'm Wyatt. And I'm Grace. And you're listening to Our Dad and your host of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I've got a fun, a fun conversation, a great guest on with us today. I love these conversations, talking to other short-term rental investors, navigating this world that we love. And like we always say, we want, to, want you to walk into this game with your eyes wide open. And I've got, uh, so, so let me start over. I'm just going to start over from, from the start instead of editing that out. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Sean Moore, and I'm really excited about our guest today. Our goal is always to have investors walk into the short-term rental game with their eyes wide open, and our guest today has navigated a few things that most of us haven't. I've got Dan Skachilis on joining us, and we're going to talk about your journey into short-term rental investing, but also you're navigating an active lawsuit with to be able to operate your short-term rentals. And so I'm excited to really talk about that, and a lot of people aren't excited to talk about that stuff, which I'm, you know, none of us want to ever go through that, but it's going to be a good conversation as we navigate these waters, because it's kind of this last couple of years have been the years of sweeping regulations in the short-term rental game. So Dan, I appreciate you joining us and willingness to share and talk about some of your, your ups and downs in this journey. Thanks, Sean. And thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So let's start though. I always like to start with a background, right? I always like to get to know our guest, share the like, kind of where you're from, what background, what your background is, what pays the bills, and then kind of how you got interested in the short-term rental game originally. So um, I'm from the Chicago area. Uh, I was born actually in Texas, but moved up here to Illinois with my folks um, before I was one, and uh, I've been here ever since. Uh, my background really is has nothing to do with real estate or the rental markets up until several years ago. I was um, a lifelong law enforcement officer, so I was a police officer in a suburb just outside of Chicago, Spent 24 years there doing just about everything that law enforcement could possibly have to offer. Um, from there, I, I started my own company, a private investigations agency, a background investigations company, and then uh, most recently, a um, active shooter response training company where we train companies and the people that work there on how to survive an active shooter event. So um, it's it's actually kind of uh, strange that I would end up doing a podcast on short-term rentals with, <laughs> yeah. with that type of background, but that that's that's my history for in a nutshell. Yeah, awesome. And and we always uh, we kind of have a, a we joke a little bit around the office because we you were the when you and Carol came and joined us, you're part of our mastermind group, and we said you know before you joined us. Based on your background and what you do, you said, "Hey, I'm gonna. I'm just so you know, I want to always want to run a background check before I hire somebody and work with them closely." And uh, you've run the background check on me, and and uh, I guess we passed, right? I always I always wondered, did I pass with like a C grade or like an A grade? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if there's a path. no. You, you passed with flying colors. <laughs> okay, and good. Okay, it's, good. Uh, you know, when you've got a, a name that's more common, it makes that process a little more convoluted to uh, sort through it, but. Uh, yeah, my, my wife, Carol, is also former law enforcement on the federal side. So yeah, uh, that's just something we do is we run backgrounds on, on everybody. In fact, I, I don't think the background that she ran on me is done yet after 24 <laughs> years of marriage. We're still waiting for the results. 
So, uh, yeah. Right. That's uh, well, and it was, it's interesting because my, my background, when you were doing that, I've actually had people because I'm in Utah. My name is Sean Moore. Right. And there's a, there is a guy that's a real estate investor, same name, roughly the same age. I mean, within a year or two, um, same time frame of when we were been operating and investing in real estate and got indicted on some fraud charges and went and served some time in prison. And, uh, and I've had people wonder if that was me. In fact, I've had people run for the hills thinking, oh man, this is, I'm not getting involved with this guy, but you know, it was a different guy, but it was, uh, I'm sure that that came up in some of it <laughs> as you were looking, but, but a good, a good, a good private investigator, a good background check. You're going to figure out who's who, right? So, yes. Yeah. So we kind of, we won't, we won't run down that road too long, but I'm glad to hear I've passed with flying colors. That makes me happy. These guys always tell me I barely passed. So (laughs) (laughs) no, well, well, Dan, so, so how'd you get into real estate? You're right. That's like a far cry from like the path of investing in real estate. So what got you interested in real estate, you know, and, and doing something different a little bit? Yeah. So, um, I think probably the, the real estate idea came, uh, through my wife initially, uh, she had some interest in it many years ago and we, uh, we dabbled in some rental property, um, that was set up as a long-term rental. Uh, one was a condo in a nearby suburb that we had for about eight or nine years. Um, that was a long-term rental. And then another one was in the town that I reside in, um, and it was a set up as a lease to purchase because that was another program that we had explored yeah. and, and dabbled in. And neither one of those um, turned out to be, we made, we made some money on both, but night, but we earned it. It was, it was a nightmare. Um, even though we screened the tenants and had the resources available to make sure we were putting good people in there. Um, it just was, was not for us. Uh, short-term rental thing um, came on the radar probably about four years ago um, when we, my again, Carol is the motivating factor behind all of this. We had visited a town in Michigan on a number of occasions when the kids were growing up called New Buffalo. And um, I had some history up in that area growing up and uh, always wanted to take my family. That was a great place to visit. Loved the, uh, the town and the area in general. And when I took Carol and the kids there, she fell in love with it and swore that someday we would have a house there, but they are generally speaking, um, ridiculously priced and you, you couldn't get into anything for under $250,000. And that was needing $200,000 worth of work. And for a first time, vacation home, if you will, it just wasn't going to happen. Not on a, you know, a, a cap salary anyway. And yeah. even with the business support, it was not, wasn't there. Um, but she kept it up and found something <laughs> on, uh, on uh, Zillow at one point and um, said that she wanted to go look at this house. And I did it more than anything just to placate her, to be quite honest with you. I, I, I looked at the pictures and the place was a complete dump. Uh, you could barely see the house through the trees and the weeds and it was overgrown. And But there's a restaurant up there that we like to go to. So I said, I'll take you to lunch and I'll walk around this property and we'll see what it looks like. And again, it was ridiculously priced. Um, but I have some history in construction. When I was a kid in high school, I worked construction for 
six, seven years, all through junior high and high school. So I, I knew what I was doing with regard to that. And when we did walk around the house, I couldn't find it had good bones. I mean, the house was solid and, but it was still way overpriced. And I said, you know, it, it's just too, too much. I said, it's got some potential, but it's, it's too expensive. Well, between the time we left New Buffalo and got back to our house in New Lenox, which is about an hour and a half drive, the house had come down in price about $30,000. Okay. So she's all excited. You know, they're asking less for this place. I said, they're asking less because it's a dump. I said, but if you want to make him an offer, I said, I will entertain this low ball offer. And to be honest, between you and me, Sean, and now everybody that's listening to this podcast, including my wife at some point, I really thought that it was going to get shot down. So I didn't figure we had a snowball's chance in hell of getting this house. <laughs> they, to my dismay, accepted the offer and uh, we were off and running with this thing. Um but we had done our homework ahead of time, you know, starting to get into where we ended up with the lawsuit. Um, and by all means, if I if you've got questions as I go through this story. Yeah, no, the, I'm, I'm just kind of being quiet for, you know, I'm, you know, this is great. This is this is right down the, the path we want to go to. And yeah, yeah. and uh, let's keep unpacking as this journey progresses to where it's become now. So. Carol really took the lead on this place. I knew what my responsibility was going to be, which was making sure that we had the financing in place to uh, to do the loans and then to fix fix it once we got possession of it. Um, but as far as p- actually paying for it, we had agreed ahead of time that the only way we were going to be able to ever have a vacation home like this was to really delve into and explore the short-term rental option. That was her focus. And she attacked it uh, like a bulldog and ultimately... Um, did all of her homework, did all of her research, contacted the city to make sure that they were permitted and that um, we were going to be able to get permitted for this and all of those great things. And with their assurances, um, both in email form and in verbal conversations, we moved forward with the the purchase of this place. And um, once we fixed it all up, the city of New Buffalo basically did an about face and told us there's no way we were going to get a permit. And ultimately, the the whole gist of it was the conversation that she had with the village manager at the time um, satisfied our, our questions. And then the village manager, to our dismay, ended up getting COVID and passing away. And mm-hmm. they replaced him with a mayor and a new city council that was completely opposed to short-term rentals and just refused to honor their commitment to issue the permit. So, uh, and we were not alone. There were a number of other people that were in the same, same situation. And we ended up getting together and getting a fantastic uh, lawyer to represent us. And we are three years deep now, a little over three years in a federal lawsuit regarding that permitting process uh, with the city of New Buffalo. So was the basis they had permits when you guys started the process, they had permits available and, and then they just decided to say, okay, we're not issuing more permits or were they specifically saying, we're just not issuing a permit to you guys? No, they, they decided that they were not going to issue any more permits in um, residential districts 
Okay. And they pulled some maneuvers um, with a moratorium that our contention was was illegal because it was not properly announced um, and some other things that they did. So they, they, they did a number of things to hold us off at bay while they changed the rules and regulations and then said, these are the rules and regulations of the day. This is what applies. You lose. Um, the, the problem was that us, along with the majority of the other people in the lawsuit, and initially there were 17 plaintiffs. I think there, I'm sorry, 19 plaintiffs. I think there's 17 remaining. Um, one actually sold their property during the course of this whole thing. And the other one actually settled with the city. Um, everybody was just a little bit different in their circumstances. So their individual settlements that'll be um, arranged with the, with the city when this whole thing comes to an end. Mm-hmm. But um, they, they basically changed the rules on us in the middle of the game and um, no, no fault of our own. I mean, we did all that we were supposed to do ahead of time. Anything that yeah. anybody was purchasing a, purchasing a property for this, you would make sure of course that you were not going to have issues getting permitted. I mean, otherwise right. it's, why would you buy there? Right. Um, they just changed the rules in the middle of the night on us and refused to ultimately honor their commitments. So yeah. that's, and, that's and nobody weird. wants to go through a three year lawsuit, right? It's not, this is not something that anybody wants to go through. It's exhausting. It's a pain in the butt. It's expensive. There's, you know, but sometimes these types of fights have to happen because like we were talking about before we hit record, there's, there's some, you know, long-term implications of, of being able to, and, and to kind of reference back to this is how things have to happen, or this is not how it ha- has to happen. So it's interesting. You said it's a federal lawsuit, not a, not a state or lo- a state lawsuit, right? Correct. Yes. So it's Why, going to set precedents nationwide. Right. That's huge. Right. And so, what is so because there's there's a lot of people who feel like hey the rules changed on me midstream and i have a lot of conversations and i agree with some of them and i disagree with some of that that the rules changed there's a lot of people who operate or bought short-term rentals and there was no permit process in place there was there was nothing that said you could or couldn't do short-term rentals and then when the city council or somebody comes in and says yes we allow it or no we don't allow it they feel like it changed they, there was just rules that were now in place, right? There wasn't. Right. And so that's a lot more risky type of an, an area to invest in. That is not what you guys did. You, no. there were, there were permits in place. You were, you were assured you could get a permit. You went ahead and moved forward with a purchase and then they were saying, nope, you can't get it. Right. And so Correct. there's, it's a little different process and that's where, that's where this becomes important. And it's important for a lot of us investors that aren't in the middle of this especially because this is at the federal level to set precedents that, okay, counties, cities, HOAs, you can't, you can't just go, there's, there's ways that you have to change rules and there's ways that you have to honor what was in place and different things like that. And that's where I think that this is important um, for more than just you, the 17 of you in the middle of this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, when, when we, before we started the recording, as I was uh, talking about before, I said the, the implications of this it's not really the the crux of the lawsuit is not really about short-term rentals that's the focus of it but it's not about short-term rentals in reality what we're alleging is that the city sees private property without due process 
ultimately right. they came in in the middle of the night and said, you can pay the bills here, but we're going to tell you what you can and cannot do with this. And no, there is no hearing. No, we don't want to hear what you have to say. And you're going to get what we give you. And that's all there is to it. Right. So when I say that the the uh, ramifications of this are far more outreaching, that's what I'm talking about. It's right. not because right. it won't stop there. It'll be next thing will be, you know, some people drive drunk. So we're, we're going to seize everybody's car <laughs> to prevent that from happening. Right. You know, right. it's. So it's it's fundamentally uh, it's a private property lawsuit, you know, private property rights, right? right? And, and property rights, right. and, and and what it takes to actually change those rules have to be followed, and there's a process for that, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it, interesting. So as you, so have you been able to like the whole time? Three years is a long time. You've just been holding this as a vacation home, or what have you been doing with it in the meantime? Yeah. Um, for the most part, I mean, we had, uh, we've been enjoying it ourselves. Um, uh, you know, trying our, our, our best to, uh, let friends, you know, I have other businesses. Right. So although I cannot legally rent it for, um, for just on the open market purposes, as a short term rental, right, yeah. I can certainly allow clients and whatnot yeah. to use the place and then, you know, to absorb that as a write off on my, my taxes on the other side. So um, it's it's gotten to the point now where we, we've decided that if we get the permit, we're going to um, operate it as an STR and see, see where it goes. If we uh, can do so without the city harassing us over it because they're sour grapes, then that's yeah. great. If not, we will sell it and upgrade. We've actually just started the process of purchasing another one um, in a, a city in the same state of also in the state of Michigan, but a little bit uh, further north uh, by about an hour. And okay. uh, I, I anticipate that that will will go much smoother. Yeah. And, and I anticipate that you probably are making sure every T and dot uh, is crossed and every I is dotted when it comes to the permit process. Right? And, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And for those that have made me those promises and given us those assurances. I have their names and direct phone numbers. And if it changes, it certainly I will address it with them directly. So, yeah, it, well, and, and it's, you know, it, it's, it's, a, it's very interesting to watch you and I've chatted about this in the past and we're kind of watching it through you just right before we hit record, you just said, you, you know, you had your, you guys had your day in court in October. It could be a 30 day to six, six month process before you get an answer. You're right. kind of anxiously awaiting to see what the what the actual judge comes back with right now. And like you said, the implications are far reaching um, to th that decision, and uh, which is probably why he's taking his time on making sure that he uh, he looks at that closely. And so but it is these types of unfortunate events are sometimes a necessary evil for people to fight. None of us want to fight them, but it's and, and why it's also why we support certain organizations and that will go and kind of fight these kind of battles and have these conversations on our behalf too, because we don't want to do it as an individual. It's really hard to be in a three-year lawsuit as an investor and then try to be creative along the way to make sure that we can still maintain this property, pay for the property, everything else. Most, most of the time, to be honest, most people are just like, okay, we're out. We're not going to do this anymore. We're going to, it's not worth the time and the effort. We'll go, we'll go play somewhere else. Right. And so, yeah. but, but when that, if everybody does that, then 
these municipalities that decide, hey, just, I'm, we're just going to change the rules. They get away with it, right? Correct. And so we we, yes. we don't want that to happen either. And so it's, it's a it's a you know it's it's an interesting dynamic that we have to balance because we don't want to go through this, but somebody's got to fight it once in a while because you know I I believe the last couple of years that pendulum on regulations has swung really far to one side. I believe it's going to settle in the middle somewhere, but it's going to take some of these types of lawsuits and cases to come out and set a precedence to where the pendulum can settle somewhere back in the middle. The wild, wild west is over where you can just do whatever, whenever on a short term rental, because now it's a mainstream asset class. There are going to be rules and regulations, but sometimes cities, municipalities, HOAs, they swing that pendulum so far one side, unless somebody challenges them to get it back in the middle somewhere, then it, it stays over there too long. And so it, I think that these things are important and it's important to have these conversations. A lot of people avoid these types of conversations as well on the front end. And we want to know about what's going on. So I appreciate us being able to kind of unpack that and, and talk that through. Is there anything else that we kind of missed through that before we kind of, we, we dive into kind of next steps? Um, no, I, you know, I learned a lot from the process as unfortunate as it was. Um, some, some mistakes that we made, um, that didn't, you know, I wouldn't, I'm usually pretty tuned in to, to mistakes or things that could be mistakes, but to be honest with you, part of this, the process of getting this house and, and fixing it up was doing a lot of the work ourselves. Yeah. And you can probably relate to this as can probably a lot of your audience. When you put your own blood, sweat and tears into a place, it becomes very much like a child to you. And it's it's difficult to walk away or view it as an investment when you're that emotionally invested. Yeah. So going forward, we will try to limit how emotionally invested we get in these properties. It's just a property, ultimately, you know, right. and if I have to sell it and walk away from it, then then so be it on to the next one. Um, yeah. But I'm not going to lose any sleep or tears over it. So um, and then I, I know that I've heard you comment, too, about, you know, um, not doing necessarily being selective about what states and what areas you're going to do business in with regard to STR investments. And I would um, hammer that down a little further, not just to the the state, but the the city and the municipalities. I don't think anybody realizes just how much unchecked power they have if you don't monitor them and challenge them on it. Yeah, Um, yeah. Vitally and important. some of the worst ones are the smaller cities, honestly, and, and frankly, like some right. of the some of the smaller because they're they don't have the big budgets. They're you know sometimes you just don't have you know is the the people in there that are that really even have the background and the experience to to run and make these types of decisions. And I've seen it a lot of times, and I've been very public to say I invest in. I, I don't invest in blue states and cities, right? I, I look for the red cities, not for any other reason other than it's you're going to be more likely to have less regulations and more favorable ownership, property ownership rights and rules that are that are written for us as investors, right? And so, and you're exactly right. And we I had this conversation with another investor recently was you can be in a very red state and a very blue city and you've got, you're going to have issues, right? Yes. And so- you have to look into the individual city and municipality, and that's a good place to just get a litmus test on. Does it mean that there's not great blue cities that you can invest in? There are for sure you can look at that, but it's a good spot to start to say, okay, if you're going to have 
on that on that pendulum swinging on a really highly regulated and a lot of rules and 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 you know for us as property owners and investors that are not as favorable to us the blue areas are going to swing further to that side versus the red areas that are going to be more favorable property ownership rights and you know they're going to be more landlord written rules where we you know you're not going to have those areas that during COVID, you're not allowed to, you know, you're, if somebody's not paying your rent, you're not allowed to be a victim, right? I mean, right. You can, unfortunately, you know, I have to still pay a mortgage payment. And, you know, if, if I could let people stay in my properties for free and just be a great guy, that'd be awesome. But that's not the reality, right? We still have mortgage payments. We still have to do stuff. In, in certain areas, they're telling you you can't do that. And so right. that's my whole point is I'm not, I don't, you know, politically it, it, it's irrelevant or for any other reason other than if I'm investing and I'm investing a lot of money and it's going to put my back against the wall, if I'm not collecting income on those investment properties, I don't want to be told that I can't be able to go collect the income. Now, that being said, I still have to follow the rules and regulations. And like we were talking about on the front end, I will only go to areas that give me a definite, yes, you can operate a short-term rental. Certain areas, certain red states and certain red cities are going to say you can't operate a short-term rental here because they, right. it's a, they're not going to allow it, right? And so still have to operate under the rules that are in place, And but, I, but I'm going to lean toward and steer toward areas that are going to be more favorable for me as an investor. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. And so, and I'm, and, and that's, a you know, everybody can have their own opinion on that. And I, I, you know, that we always share ours and what we do and, you know, want to want people to understand why we do it as well. And so, and having these conversations is really good. What about, so you are buying the next property, you're looking at the next area, right? And right. Um, so you're not, you're not, you know, completely soured on this game of short-term rentals. You still see the opportunity there, even throughout all of this. I'm curious because you, you've, you've dabbled in a couple other asset classes that didn't work out that well. This is, this is a less than ideal experience, right? And um, <laughs> for the last couple of years. So what, what makes you still excited about the short-term rental game? Um, I see, I still see the opportunities there. You know, our, 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 our struggles with the long-term rentals were for the most part that they were in there too long. And they, because they were in there for a longer period of time, they become ultimately for purposes of getting rid of them if they're not paying rent, the owner of the property. I mean, you got to go through court hearings. Illinois is horrible with regard to that stuff. State of Michigan is even worse. Um, mm -hmm. So I did not want to go down that route again. But with the short term rentals, you're looking at, you know, maybe a maximum occupancy of two weeks at most. Right. For most part, it's, you know, anywhere between five and seven days. So my right off the bat and you're you're making. Day for day, you're certainly make I can make in, in a week's rental what I could make in a month in the same property, right. ultimately. And there because their access to it is limited to a shorter period of time. I'm less concerned that I'm going to go up there and find, you know, 12 of the 15 windows broken out and siding ripped off the house and. Yeah, the toilet overflowed, but I didn't want to call you. And now it's, uh, you know, it's a huge issue. It's all over the place. And, you know, uh, because there's water all over the floor, we're not paying the rent and we're leaving. It, it's just a mess. Mm -hmm. So the the STRs seem to be a, a better experience. Um, and like I said, Carol has spent 
an inordinate amount of time studying your system and, and all the, the things, the resources that you offer, um, I'm very confident that we can make a very good go at this. Um, we just need to be much more selective about the places that we choose to do it. And I need to follow, to, to be honest with you, I need to follow my own rules a little bit, you know, not get emotionally involved with the property. It's a big deal. You know, it, when first things, when this thing <clears throat> first went south, Carol was like, let's just sell it. And no, I said, I don't want to sell it. You know, we spent six months fixing it up. Yeah. I said, I still got slivers in my hands from, <laughs> from pounding nails. I said, we both got infected with poison ivy. I don't know if I told you, but all of the overgrowth on the house, probably 50% of it was poison ivy and we oh, didn't geez. realize it. We were both almost hospitalized <laughs> because we were so uh, covered with it. It was, it was just a nightmare. I said, now we're going to walk away. And like you said, some fights just need to be fought. And I'm not, I'm not one to go looking for one. But um, at some point during this whole thing, it was kind of like, look, I, I'm not folding my cards. I'm just not doing it. You guys want to go to go to war over this deal? That's fine. You know, um, somebody's got to do it. And like I said, this case, when it's over and done with, is going to be something that is going to be referred to in future litigation nationwide on this topic. I mean, it's yeah. going to be, it's going to be it. Yeah. So um, also getting a good attorney wherever you're located that really knows and understands this type of thing um, is ungodly important. It is ungodly important. Yeah. Well, it's awesome. And, and I know that you're, you know, anxious to get that answer back, get the, put that, you know, this chapter, close this chapter one way or the other, move forward beyond and and continue to build that portfolio. And we've shared, and I, and I really appreciate you, Dan, coming on and sharing kind of where you're at, the ups and downs of this, because it is important for us to hear all of these types of stories, right? All of these things, because we're trying to learn from each other along this process. And, you know, you've shared a lot of that. So I really do appreciate that. Is there anything like I always ask at the end of every episode as we're wrapping up, is there anything if you could go back and that we didn't touch on that we haven't covered that we go back and give yourself that advice of, Hey, make sure you do this. Now on the next go around, let's make sure that we cross this T we make sure we cross this or dot this I, what would that be? Is there anything that we, that we've left out that you would go back and make sure that you kind of gave your, your, your younger self the advice that you know now? Yeah. I, the, the one thing that I would say, and we did it, 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 it literally saved us because we've got emails, email correspondence between Carol and the city with them saying, yes, you can get a permit, get it in writing. Cause if yeah. it's not in writing, it never happened. Yeah. You know, whether that's memorialized in an email, if you have a phone conversation, when you get off the phone with that city official, memorialize it in an email. Say, just want to recap. We said this, I asked this, this was your answer. Is that my understanding you properly? Because in the event that you end up in a situation like this, you want to be able to have, because they, they will, my experience with them has been that they will lie, cheat and steal to get their way. And unless you've got documentation on it saying we had this discussion and you told me this and here it is um, yeah. exhibit a, <laughs> right. As it's right. now called um, that you're, you're really going to be at their mercy. So that would be the only um yeah. The only advice I would give when it comes to doing this is not to forget how important that issue is. And you can really 
eliminate properties very quickly by talking to the municipality first. Is this something you're going to let me do? Well, we're thinking about this. We're thinking about that. Well, let me see what you're thinking about. We're going to limit. As soon as you hear that word limit, go look yeah. someplace else. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's really important, like you, you mentioned, get things in writing. Even a lot of times, if it doesn't turn into, you know, the situation that you guys are dealing with, right? And and ultimately, just, you know, having a conversation, you know, you, one, you, you want to make sure everything's in writing. Go, I always say, go try to find the rules, regulations that are that are actually published and written down to verify what the, the city official is telling you. But send an email back reiterate the conversation, make sure that you get that in writing, because what if there's something that was lost in translation or misunderstood? And you can get clarity on that as well. So it's a really a good practice anyways, just to just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, even if it never comes to this, just to make sure as you're moving forward that you're all on, everybody's on the same page and there was no misunderstanding. Correct. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome, Dan. Well, listen, man, I really, really appreciate your time. This is These are important episodes. They're my favorite episodes, having conversations with, with active investors, willing to share the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups and downs of this journey. And so I know, I know your time is valuable. We appreciate you sharing it with us. And those of you listening, we know how valuable your time is. And thank you for spending it with us and learning and continuing to grow in the short-term rental game. Our job here is to try to help you walk into that game with your eyes wide open. And at the end of every episode, I ask you two favors. We don't run any ads on this show. The only way we grow is for you sharing the show. And so if you did have any, if you liked it or you think anybody else would like it and get value out of this, somebody else that's thinking about in the in the short-term rental game or already in the game, Share this show, um, whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening on the podcast, those things really do help us grow. If you have more than 30 seconds, give us a thumbs up, like it, give us a review. Those things help us as well. And uh, it's very, very much appreciated. And the second thing I always leave you with, which is the most important thing, is to go pick one thing you can do today, start building that life you don't want to take a vacation from. Cheers, my friends. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Vacation Rental Revolution podcast. Share this with other people you think need to hear about it. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. Hey Grace, is there a website? Yes! For more amazing content and expert advice, visit bodicey.com. Thanks for listening and we'll see you on the next episode.